listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, May the 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and our goal on Mondays is to take a look at one of the readings for the coming Sunday, which is the sixth Sunday of Easter, and examine it from a Law and Gospel perspective. Uh, The one that I found interesting was Acts chapter 16, 9 to 15. As I was reading it, I thought of a number of questions that came to my mind, and so let's go ahead and share that with you. In verse 9, this is called the Macedonian call. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, the vision probably was in a dream. We've already talked quite often about visions that various individuals have. In fact, probably the entire book of Revelation uh, by John is written in light of the vision that he had. Macedonia is part of northern Greece, modern northern Greece. And in fact, this could be the first time that God sends someone with the gospel from Asia into the continents of Europe. So it's a very important item. But the question that came to my mind, was Paul fortunate to have this vision and Have I ever had such a command from the Lord to go one way or another way? Well, actually, that still occurs today. It's not that I had a dream or something, but in the Holy Christian Church, when I was ordained as a pastor, I received a call to a specific congregation. That call was guided by the Holy Spirit, and therefore it was just as good as if I had had a vision telling me to go there. Uh, Right now, I'm somewhat retired, uh, still working various vocations, uh, for example, with Concordia Mission Society, and you know they put out that great publication, The Good News. And I also am... um, working with four congregations. Now, how did that come about? Did I get a vision? No. I actually was told by individuals that these congregations were having trouble finding pastors to preach on Sunday for them. They were vacant, which means they didn't have a pastor. It doesn't mean they didn't have a shepherd. Jesus was still there. And so I would meet with them And we made arrangements as to how I could help them out. So that still goes on today. Sometimes you have a a choice. Uh, Let's say you're working for a company and you get an offer to work for another company of a similar task. Maybe you're an accountant or something. How do you know which one God wants you to go to? From a long gospel perspective, we should not say, well, I'm going to go to this one now because it's a new offer and that obviously is from God. No, we we don't know that. What we do know is that it doesn't matter which one you choose. Uh, 
if neither one of them involves sin, God's going to take care of you regardless of whatever your choice is. It's kind of like buying a car. Uh, Should I buy a Ford or should I buy a Chevrolet? It, It doesn't matter because the promises of God are with you regardless of which one. Now, if you're working at a General Motors plant, probably wise to buy a General Motors car, etc. So there may be other reasons that move you one way or another. But we don't need visions today from God in order to know what he wants us to do. Uh, A lot of times items just show up And we, therefore, sometimes don't even have a choice. Uh, For example, there are what's called surprise pregnancies, where a woman gets pregnant when she thought she wasn't going to. That's a call from God to bring that child to birth. And that's something that you just don't decide not to do, because that's contrary to God's will. So sometimes we get calls and we have to make a decision when we have the ability to make a decision. Other times, no, this is God's call. The four congregations I'm helping with right now, I'm just convinced that God directed things in such a way to help them. And as soon as I lead them, if they receive a pastor, that's my technique, then I go and see if there's other congregations in need of help. So, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, this is the first time that a we occurs. And it is important to know that the apostles often went with other individuals. It's a um, understanding that we can mean help with others. Now, that occurs when I was a full-time pastor. I would get the call, but of course I brought my wife with me. And so... Pastors often will talk to the wife about whether they should receive a call or not. Uh, Some uh, pastors' wives, they have a job in the city they're in, and to move to another congregation would mean they'd have to quit the job, and maybe there's various reasons they can't do that, or the kids are in a certain school, and there's not those kinds of schools where they're going. So there can be reasons a pastor declines a call Uh, because of his wife's circumstances. And that's why they need to discuss it together. But when he decides to take the call, it's not at all unusual that we are coming. Now, I don't believe that the wife is part of the call. What what I mean by that is she's not called uh, to be the pastor or to be anything when she gets to the church. She should have the opportunity and the freedom to choose what she would like to do, maybe sing in the choir, help out with Sunday school, uh, or or whatever is necessary in a particular congregation. 
But the call is always just directed uh, to the male pastor, and then both of them can work on whether or not that's what they believe is important for them to do. So we don't have visions today, but God still calls, particularly in the Holy Christian Church. We call it a divine call. There's a procedure a congregation goes through. They get a list of names, and then they will inform one of the names on their list that they would like to call them as the pastor. They issue a call, and then the pastor makes a decision whether he comes or not. Other denominations, like in the Roman Catholic Church, I believe the practice still is, is you are assigned as a priest to a specific uh, congregation, and you can be moved around by your superiors. The congregation themselves do not have uh, the privilege of deciding who they would like as a priest. So there's no set way that God does it. He does it differently, but I still believe it's occurring. So when Paul has a vision, immediately he decides to go to Macedonia, and they made a direct voyage and came to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And they remained in that city some days. Now, okay, you're with the apostle. Uh, You may be helping him in various ways. He gets to Macedonia. What do you think they're going to be doing? Well, they were called to preach the gospel. So what's the best day to have an opportunity to share the message that you were asked to bring to Macedonia? Well, verse 13, and this is in Acts 16, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together for that prayer. So there's no doubt that the Sabbath, which was Saturday, was the occasion, particularly for Jews, to come together for prayer. Now, apparently there were not that many men involved. Uh, Therefore, they did not have a, a synagogue in Philippi. But the women were there. And, in fact, they were the only folks who were worshiping on this particular Sabbath. So, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Now, it's really important to understand this. Uh, Thyatira was a city in Asia Minor, and it really was well-known for selling purple goods. It was a very helpful trade for the people because an expensive dye was used to do that. Now, she already was a worshiper of God. 
when Christianity comes into an area, particularly where Jews are already worshiping, it doesn't mean that they're going to be talking to unbelievers. They could be talking to believers who are not yet aware of who Jesus was, what he did for them, and the wonderful message of the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. And it appears that this was such a woman. Now, the next phrase is really critical. Uh, I've had the whole sermon. Because from a long gospel point of view, we often talk about nobody is saved by any works they do. My favorite analogy that God uses in the Bible to indicate how we are brought into the family of God is that we are adopted. Adopted. And I always ask the question, what does a one-month-old baby do to get adopted? Well, the baby does nothing. It's really a decision on the part of the parents. And as the baby is adopted into a family, it quickly, especially a one-month-old, grows to depend on the mother and the father. And love begins to be generated. Listen to the phrase that shows that even Lydia was unable to do anything in order to believe what was being preached. It says, The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. That reminds us of David, Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You see, God moves us in directions, and depending on whether or not the Holy Spirit is working on us, if we're an unbeliever, he's not, but if we're a believer, he is. For example, I had an incident that occurred uh, this past Thursday. I'd gone to one of the congregations to begin an adult instruction course, and after I was done, Uh, I was in the church by myself, and I was kind of thirsty, and I knew they had a lemonade uh, can in their refrigerator. So I went and I got one. They had given me one, oh, a few weeks before uh, during the Bible study. And so I took it, and I put it in the car, and when I put it in the car, there's right beside the front seat a place for a cup holder, and I just put it beside me. But I decided before I opened it that I was going to go and see about visiting an individual who had been in the hospital, and I believed he would be home then, and we could have a little visit. So I drove over there, but when I got there, there was a landscaper doing stuff with the lawn in front, and I drove up, and I said to him, is so-and-so home? And he said, no, uh, they had to go to another city to the doctors, and so they're not home right now. I said, well, thank you very much. I gave him my card to give to them that I had been there to visit them. And as I handed him the card, he was able to see the lemonade, that little can there. 
And he looked at me and he said, you know, I only brought water with me and I'm really thirsty. I don't have any water left. I'll give you a dollar if you give me that can of lemonade. Hmm. So I thought, well, that'd be interesting. I mean, a a number of thoughts went through my mind. And number one, I had gotten for free from the congregation, but here I was going to be making a dollar on it. Well, I probably would give it to the congregation. And I finally looked at him and I said, you have a choice. You can either give me $12 for this can or you can take it for free. And he looked at me with a question and he said, well, I'd prefer to take it for free. I handed it to him and I drove away. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, you know, well, isn't that nice, God, how you led me here so that I could help this person? And, you know, the old Adam thinks something like, you are probably pretty proud of me right now, God, because I was thirsty too. And here I gave him a, a drink. The more I analyzed what I had done, the more I realized that even what I had done still had sin attached. How can you have sin attached when you're giving a drink to somebody who's asking for it? Well, when he asked me for it, I realized that if I said no to him and drove away, I would feel guilty. And I imagined myself driving about two blocks and then turning around going back to him and said, "Ah, I changed my mind. (laughs) So in order not to feel guilty was one of the reasons I gave it to him. Uh, A second reason was, well, that's a pretty good deed. And uh, I think God would be proud of me. And, And that's a sin because that's called boasting. We're not to be boasting about our works especially when we think that we're the ones who were moved to make the decision on the basis of our own self-interest. Now, was it a good work? Yes, it was. The new man did it because since I'm a Christian, I have the Holy Spirit, and it became a fruit of faith. But the old man can't stand that. So a lot of times we're motivated motivated by sinful intentions, etc. But that's what I did. And as I look back on it, I can see both pure motivation and sinful motivation, uh, thinking how great I am to give what I wanted to somebody who obviously had a need for it. And, And the reason I said $12 or free and I gave him my card. You know, we pastors, we have one goal. And, and that is when we meet a stranger to share with them that unlike every other religion in the world, Christianity is free. In every other religion, you got to pay. You got to pay good works. But in Christianity, it's free. Now, even if I had done that, with the person. I have no idea what his response is going to be. Hopefully he'll give my card to the folks I was trying to see and they'll talk to him about me being a pastor. He may even choose to come to church this next time. I don't know. I don't know how the Holy Spirit is going to do that. 
But if it ever happens that he comes to church and becomes a strong believer, it's all because of verse 14. The Lord opened his heart to pay attention to what was done by Pastor Baker. See, we're just the voice of God. Even when we forgive sins, we listen, first of all, to the confession of sin. The second thing the pastor does is believe what the worshipers are confessing, that they're poor, miserable sinners. I have no idea whether or not what they are saying is really the intent of their heart. I I don't have that ability. I'm not Jesus. I can't read hearts. But it is my task to assume that what they're saying is an honest confession. So listen how we start the absolution. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, by God's authority, announce to you the forgiveness of sins. I forgive you your sins. Notice what I'm doing. It's upon the confession. God knows whether it's a proper confession or not. And therefore, I'm just the voice of God. I have no power to forgive sins, but I have the authority to do so. Now, what happens after the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul? And it's very clear that when Philip was talking to the eunuch, not only do they talk about the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they're also talking about baptism as to how God transfers the benefits of the cross and the resurrection to individuals through water baptism. So guess what? Verse 15 continues. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. You know, there's no doubt pastors find that in every congregation. Uh, People... And a lot of times it's most of the members who invite you out to eat or stay overnight if you have to stay overnight or all kinds of things are going on. Uh, The congregation I was uh, supporting, we had Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the one congregation offered to put me up in a hotel overnight so I didn't have to drive all the way back to St. Louis to come back on Good Friday And the other congregation offered me a a place to stay at night. So there's Lydia's all over the place. So when God sends us to an area, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a spiritual thing. God may send you to a different occupation. You may even be getting less money, but you're going to enjoy the work more God will take care of you there. All of his promises with everything working out to your good will take place. It's not that you're not going to have any tribulation wherever you go. I mean, Paul, look what happened to him. Whipped, imprisoned, uh, 
wasn't able to eat because he wasn't given food a number of times. That That's part of the task of being a Christian. So what I find interesting here is that God still calls us. He has specific ways to call a pastor to a congregation, but he also works with lay people in having them called maybe into different situations like a marriage, occupation, etc. And so the comfort that I get from this is Jesus is in charge of your life. There's nothing that's going to go on that he's not aware of. And his promises will always be there. And there will be people wherever you go, like Lydia, who will be willing to help. Looking forward to tomorrow's long gospel with Mark Smith. Why? I always look forward when we're going to be doing a hymn by Martin Luther. So join with us on tomorrow's Rumination Tuesday, where I, Tom Baker, and Mark Smith will discuss one of Martin Luther's hymns. Dear Christians, one and all, rejoice, assigned for the sixth Sunday of Easter. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.